Good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to Mountain Park. Good to see you. Good to have you with us. My name is Alan, and I just want to ask you to be honest. When you came in and you received one of these, how many of you just had a just had a hint, just a, for a fraction of a second, thought this was going to be the best Sunday of your life? <laughs> I saw some kids. They were going upstairs and then downstairs and entering back and forth. And back, they have a load of cash. So, anyway, um, this morning we are talking about the real version of these, the ones that don't say for motion picture purposes. We're talking about money this morning, and some of you might be thinking, Alan, that doesn't make any sense. That's not fair. I thought we were in a, in a journey where we're talking about wisdom. My journal says part orange, wisdom on the front of it. It has faded in the background there. Wisdom. Why are we talking about money? Well, think about some of the biggest mistakes you've ever made in your life, some of the, the things that have been the, the, the lack of, most lack of wisdom in your life. Some of you are going to think of stuff pretty quickly. As you think of those things, I'm very confident that at least one of them, if not all of them, have to do with money. We tend to make lots of mistakes when it comes to this. We tend to buy things and need things that we don't really, really need and things that we can't afford. Uh, we tend to maybe there was a big purchase of a, of a car or a house that you just thought, this is it. This is, you've just got to have it. And then you realize that was a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, there are so many different ways. Maybe, maybe there's some kind of habit, uh, addiction, a gambling where uh, you thought that this something was a sure thing and this pathway, well, this is it, this is going to be, this is going to be the breakthrough with this journey and didn't quite work out that way for you. Or maybe you, you invested in Enron, that didn't work out so well. Or maybe you didn't invest in Apple because you thought that's a silly name for a computer company. So you thought there's no way that has a chance. But there's so many different ways that we make mistakes with this stuff because it's so emotional, these things are so emotional for us. There's, there's, such, there's so many emotions that are connected with this, which is why we tend to make so many mistakes. We tend to make decisions not based out of wisdom, not based out of kind of thinking through. So often we make decisions with this stuff that's emotional because these, these things are so emotional for us. In fact, some of you right now here in this room might be feeling a little bit awkward a little bit uncomfortable. Well, this is one of those Sundays where you go, no, not this Sunday that you're talking about this. I brought a friend. I don't want you to be talking about this on this particular Sunday. Rest assured, for the next 25 minutes or so, I am not going to talk with you about giving some of these away that you don't want to give away. What, I'm going, what I want to talk with you about is, is the wisdom of God's perspective on this stuff and how you and the community and your family and the world benefits by the generosity that God has set up for us. That's what we're going to talk about today. As emotional as that might be, as uncomfortable as that might be, it's going to be a ton of fun. Right? Yay! Just say it is, even if you don't believe it, and then we'll see what happens with that. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I thank you uh, that we get together here in this place and talk frankly about uh, the reality of money. And um, I know that you care very deeply about our hearts. You care very deeply about every heart here in this room. And that, that money is a heart issue. It very much is an emotional 
Um, uh, it is connected to so much of who we are and how we feel about ourselves. So, God, would you come into this place and give us wisdom? We pray in your son's name. Amen. There is a book, since we're talking about wisdom, there's a book in the Old Testament that's referred to as the Book of Wisdom. It's the Book of Proverbs. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. We're going to take a look this morning at a few verses in Proverbs chapter 30. Most of the book of Proverbs was written by David's son, Solomon, whom we talked about last week. But there is a chapter later on in the book of Proverbs written by a man named Agur. Our, when, our firstborn, uh, when we had our first child, we were debating uh, naming him either Gordon or Agur. We chose Gordon. I think that was a good call. Uh, uh, just, that's just such an odd name, Agur. It's one of those names that didn't make it over the thousands of years. Uh, David made it. Agur did not. Her, Agur. But, uh, but Agur wrote... Uh, I got a bug coming at me here. Agur. Uh, Agur wrote Proverbs chapter 30, and he says halfway through verse 8, he says, But give me only... Sorry. Give me neither poverty nor riches... But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Give me neither poverty nor riches. There's a lot of wisdom in that phrase. Agur is saying, saying, if I have too much, then I'm likely to disown you, God. If I have too much, I'm likely to go into this place of saying, wow, I don't need God anymore. Thanks, God, for setting me up, for setting me up the way I have, but I'll take it from here. I'm good to go, and I might disown you, God. If I have too little, then I might blame you. I might get upset with the with the reality of my life and start to cheat and start to twist the truth, cut corners in my business or in how I do life. And, and, in, and, and by doing that, I would dishonor you, God. And so if I have too much, I might disown you. If I have too little, I might dishonor you. Agur is talking about the wisdom of this middle section here. He's, he's talking about the wisdom of, of being in, this, in this, this, this balanced middle zone. Agur is not talking about socialism. He's not talking about an economic system. In fact, he's not even really talking about money. In the New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about money, but he's not talking about money. When he wants to talk about forgiveness, he talks about money. When he wants to talk about the kingdom of God, he talks about money. He talks about a whole lot of things he talks about money a lot, but he's not really talking about money. He's talking about something else. Both Jesus and Agur are, are not talking about money when they talk about money. They're talking about our relationship with God. They're talking about our heart and our relationship with God. Notice that Agur, that in that last line here, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. He's not saying, if I have too little, then I will be sad and life will be hard for me and my experience with life, etc. That's not what he's saying. He says, I'll dishonor the name of my God. That what he's thinking about, that his filter, what, what is most important for him is, is his relationship with God. This is, this is a big deal for him. He wants to, um, 
to embrace the reality that generosity is, is a big deal. Generosity is good no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you believe. Generosity is good. But what Agur is talking about here, and Jesus reinforces multiple times in, in the New Testament, is that there is a connection between our generosity and our relationship with God. That those two things, there is so much happening between those two things. Generosity is not just good as a floating concept. It is so important in terms of our connection with God. I don't want to disown you, God, and I don't want to dishonor you, God. So the title of the message is Balancing Your Budget. And rest assured, the good news is I'm not going to be talking about spreadsheets and line items and walking through all that. I don't think anybody is interested in doing any of that. And the main reason I don't want to do that is that if that's what you need, if that's what you want, there are plenty of great courses for that. Excellent courses where you can walk through your financial situation and get a handle on some things. We actually offer a course here called Financial Peace University. It's the Dave Ramsey course. We're just finishing up the Dave Ramsey course right now, but another one is going to start up in January. We roll this thing a couple times a year, and so it is an opportunity for you to, to walk through your financial situation and get some freedom and get some help with, with all of that. I'm not talking about balancing your budget in that way. I'm talking about what Agur, Agur, is longing for here in Proverbs chapter 30. This, this balance, give me neither poverty nor riches. That, that uh, this balance between I don't have enough, I need help, I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, and what I'm looking for is wisdom to get me out of the financial pit that I find myself in. Balance between that and I have more than what I need. I, 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 there's a certain amount that I need, and I'm, I'm getting through life. I, I have more than what I need, and I want to make sure I'm not trusting money more than I trust God. That's the balance that we're talking about, the balance between financial wisdom on this side and faithful generosity on, on that side. It's the balance between those two pieces. When it comes to generosity and our relationship with God, those are the two essential elements. It's it's financial wisdom and faithful generosity. Those are the two wings of the financial airplane. And these two things are not mutually exclusive. It's not one or the other. It's not either you have this one or you have that one. It's not 80-20, and then maybe we balance it out at 50-50, or, or maybe it's 20-80 on the other way. It's not. We can be thriving in both areas. We can be strong in one and weak in another. Or we can be weak in both and be like the dinosaur. What's his name? What's his name? Yeah. That dinosaur. Okay, so, so we, we don't want to be that, that dinosaur. It's annoying when, when he was around. And so, so, um, so uh, we, we don't, we don't want to be in this, in this middle ground. We want to have strength here in this balance, not weakness in this balance. We want to have strength here in this balance. So let me look at one arm at a time, okay? The financial wisdom arm. How are you doing with this? How are you doing in terms of making wise financial decisions? This is really important for those of you who are married or plan to be married that this, this has been for a long time in the United States, it's one of the top two marriage busters, is when you and your spouse or future spouse fight 
about financial issues. That the two marriage busters are sex, sexual issues, and then finances. It's this ongoing journey, this ongoing fight about financial issues. Tammy and I have been married for 22 years, and I cannot recall the last time we had a fight about money. Why? Because I am an incredibly humble and godly man. <laughs> Let's pray. We're done. So, no, see, any of you see you laugh because you know that's not the truth. That the reality is that uh, she and I are both born and, born and bred savers. She and I are both, we have never had debt other than our mortgage. Never in our, in our lives, never in our marriage, have we ever purchased something that we can't afford, whether it's a car or whatever the situation is. We have just embraced this thing. If we can't afford it, we're not gonna buy it. It's not a conversation, it's not a fight. That's just where it's landed for us. And as a result, we don't fight about money. It's, we've got our other issues, we've got other stuff that we gotta work on, but we don't fight about money. What about you? How, how, how are your fights about money? How are your conversations about money? How is your... your your financial wisdom piece going. What's the greatest financial advice you've ever heard? Maybe you heard it a long time ago. Maybe something your parents instilled in you. You learned it when you were 12 years old. Maybe it's something, it's something that you learned six years ago and that has just totally shaped how you view money, how you manage your finances, etc. What's the greatest financial wisdom, financial advice you've ever heard? And are you doing it? Are you practicing it? Whatever that great thing might be, what are you doing with it? Agur says, give me neither poverty nor riches. What are we doing? How are we using the wisdom that God has provided for us through whatever channels so that we can avoid the poverty zone? We can avoid the frustration of never having enough, of being in debt, etc. What, what kind of wisdom are we are we using in order to avoid this side breaking down, the poverty side? I mentioned the Financial Peace University, which is based on the, uh, uh, the Dave Ramsey course, et cetera. That's what we, uh, we offer here. And just to kind of throw out a couple nuggets on this end of financial wisdom. For those of you who have taken the course, you, this is all just a repeat. But just a few nuggets on the course. I highly recommend you take the course and get the full picture. But here's our, here are three nuggets that I remember when Tammy and I took the course a number of years ago. One of the things, I think it's one of the first things that he talks about in terms of financial wisdom is to set aside $1,000 in the bank as emergency money and as a way of training yourself to be able to save money, set it aside, and don't touch it. Don't use it for fun things. Don't use it for things that you want to use it for. Set aside $1,000. If there's a need for a repair on your car or something in your home and you need the money, you have this emergency fund that's ready to go. And a response from many on that is, I can't, I can't save $1,000. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. There's no way I can accumulate $1,000 in a bank set aside waiting for me. To which Dave Ramsey would say, if you had a kid and your kid needed a procedure that was going to cost $1,000 in order to save his or her life, do you think you'd be able to scrounge up $1,000? And the answer all of us would give is, well, yeah, of course. 
Because money is an emotional issue. When the emotions are triggered, we'd figure it out. We would change the way we spend money, the way we buy coffee, the way we do entertainment for a period of time in order to make sure we have the $1,000. And so the point is, just get the $1,000. Get it over there. And for those of you who have taken the course, you remember Dave Ramsey saying that at one point, he gives this illustration of if you had a child who needed $1,000, that a woman at one point uh, asked a question and said, which kid? Because... For her, again, it's an emotional issue. It might depend on who we're talking about here. Another nugget from the Dave Ramsey course is uh, credit cards. If you struggle with credit cards, you have credit card debt, and you're, you're paying off those credit cards with another credit card and trying to roll your credit cards around, et cetera, and still buying even though you have debt, et cetera. It's just kind of the classic financial piece concept is to cut up your credit card. Cut up your credit card, and then our response to that is, no way. That's incredibly inconvenient. Well, that's the point. That's the point, that whenever we go somewhere and we actually have to use cash because we don't have a credit card anymore, we've cut it up. The companies will let you have a credit card, but we've made a decision to cut it up. And so if you go and you actually use cash, it feels a lot different. If you have to spend $100 on something in cash, that feels way different than just swiping and then it says like $99 or something on your credit card bill. That's just, a, those are just numbers. This is green. It doesn't smell proper, you know, it doesn't smell right, but you know what I'm saying. This has a smell, it has a look, it has a feel to it and it's different, it's different to go cash. A third nugget from the financial piece, again, this is just kind of a taste on the financial wisdom piece has to do with insurance. I thought this was really interesting that the course had walked through the, a number of different insurance pieces that the number one, that the number one cause of bankruptcy in, in the United States is health insurance. Not because we don't have any, but because we don't have enough. And so the, what he's saying in this course is, is the importance of uh, whether it's car insurance or health insurance or house insurance or whatever, to make sure that, that, that they are going to cover the big stuff, that we pay for the things we can afford, so we have high deductible. We, we pay for the things that we can afford, but we have a real high, high-end range for how much things could possibly go. What that means is if there's some kind of medical accident and you have a high deductible and you need to pay $1,000 or even $5,000 out of your own pocket, that's going to be disruptive. That's going to disrupt our system and, oh, we, we had some of that in the bank and that's going to affect us, etc. But what will ruin us is if there's some situation where you or someone you, or you care for has to go into the hospital for multiple weeks and then the, 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 the debt goes up to about $500,000, but you only have a plan that covers $250,000, and you end up being in debt, $250,000 that you owe, or more than that, that's what'll hurt. That's what'll, what'll really knock us over. So insurance-wise, let them cover the big stuff, and we cover the small stuff. These are just nuggets. There's a... There's one thing, to, to learn the financial wisdom, to learn pieces, but it's a whole other issue to doing it. Because we can learn great financial advice, wisdom somewhere else, but the issue is discipline. The issue is, can we do it? There's this great verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, in the New Testament, where the writer says this. The writer says, no discipline 
seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Few of us enjoy discipline, whether it's financial discipline or you're, you're training for some kind of athletic experience or you're learning something new, learning an instrument or, or studying school or whatever. Few of us enjoy the discipline part of it. But all of us enjoy the benefits of discipline. That after we've gone through it, that we get to enjoy the fruit of all of that. It's one thing to learn financial wisdom. It's a whole other thing to practice it. So that's one arm. How are you doing with the other arm? How are you doing with the faithful generosity piece? Agur says, give me neither poverty nor riches. If, 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 if you're in a place where you have something to give, what's holding you back from accumulating to the point where you just say, I don't need God anymore. I got this. I, I can take care of myself, my family, my future. I got this. What's holding you back? What wisdom are you embracing to protect yourself from disowning God the way Agur talked about here? Again, any generosity is good, but what we're talking about here is faithful generosity. We're talking about generosity that is connected to the one who provided everything for us anyway. We're talking about generosity that is about our relationship with God, that it really is faith-based generosity. It really is worship. It's a way of saying, of saying on a regular basis, God, I trust you more than I trust this. That's what, that's what faithful generosity just says. just says over and over again, God, I trust you more than I trust this. And I want to remind myself of this. And I want to remind you of this over and over again. I trust you more than I trust this. So for those of you who are givers, why do you give? If you, if you sit here today and, and, you, and so far you're just thinking, yep, I got it. I get it. At some point, you learned, maybe it was when you were young, maybe it's recently, and you just decided this is, this is something that you want to do as part of your walk with, with Christ. Why do you give? For those of you who, who, who don't give, who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, but this is not part of your experience yet, why, why not? What's the, what's the roadblock? What's the trip up? What's the... What's getting in the way of this being a part of your experience? Because there's such consistency throughout Scripture that this, that this is what we're supposed to do. Why not? As I was thinking about my why, why I give, it, it kind of boiled down to a couple things. One is, I give to Mountain Park Church because I believe in the mission of this church. I believe in what God has called us to do here in this community as a part of this city and the impact we're making here and around the world. I believe that every person here in this room, every person who can hear this, who can hear the sound of my voice, has a role to play in God's story, in God's magnificent story, a story that centers around the person of Jesus who really is the solution to all of our political, social, inequality issues that are a big deal to us. That Jesus really is the solution to our dissolving families. 
to our, our frustrated marriages and our stressed out, depressed kids who are looking for purpose and meaning in life. I believe in our mission. I believe in what God's doing in and through us here. And then the second main reason that I give is that I trust God. I trust the consistent clarity throughout Scripture that God says, this is good for my heart. I, I trust that the, the, the multiple times this is addressed and walked out in Scripture where God says, this, is, this really is the best for you, Alan. If, if my doctor met with me, looked at my x-rays, and then, and then looked at me in the eye and just, just point blank said, Alan, you need to stop eating ice cream or you're going to die. That we've discovered there's some, uh, there's some chemicals in the ice cream making process that causes cancer in Canadians. And so, <laughs> so you are going to have to stop. After, after I stop weeping... I would, let me just tell you, I would not say to my doctor, what do you know? What, what do you, I, 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 yeah, okay, I'll take my chances. I'll be fine. Uh, I'm out of here. Put my pants on and I'm out of there. I would not say to the doctor, I don't know why my pants were off in that story. <laughs> that hasn't been part of the story so far this morning. I would not say to that doctor, I would not say, um, I can't. You know, if the doctor said, you have to do this or you'll die, I would not say, I can't. That's not a possibility. I've tried it before, and, and it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. I can't do that. That's not going to happen. You know what I would do? The first thing I would do is get a second opinion because this is a big deal and I, I want to make sure that this is verified. But if it's truly verified by multiple doctors that I, that I trust, then I would say, okay. I hope that I would say in that moment in that experience, I have to figure out a way to stop eating ice cream. I have to, as much as I don't want to, as difficult as that's going to be, I have to, I have to figure out a way. I have to. My Father in heaven has looked at my x-rays, my spiritual x-rays, and says, Alan, you need to be a giver. You need to be generous. As much as there are parts of your life, Alan, where you struggle with generosity, you struggle with being a giver, there are some parts that I, I, I figured out and some parts that I, I'm still working on. In whatever way, Alan, you need to be a giver. This is essential, critical in your relationship with my Father. The title of this message is Balancing Your Budget. It's not about spreadsheets. It's about balancing. Give me neither poverty nor riches. God, protect me from having too little and being so frustrated about that and lacking financial wisdom. And, and, and having too much and feeling like I don't need you, God. Protect me from that. Help me to live out ways so that I can not just learn but practice financial wisdom and that I can live out faithful generosity. Help me with the balance of these two things. 
A number of years ago, I learned a really simple rule in terms of balancing those two things. It is not a biblical rule. It's not, you know, I'm not directing you to a verse in, in the Bible, but it is a consistent and clear way of walking out this balance. You, you've likely heard it before. It's called the 10-10-80 rule. That we take, that we take the first 10% and we give it towards the work of the kingdom. We, do we take another 10% and we save it? We take the wisdom of saving that and then we live off the rest. It's, it's 10% that we, 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 we take, we find out what our, our uh, annual giving is. Most of us have a pretty good sense of how things are going to look in the, in the upcoming year, what 2020 is going to look like. We take that number and we say, okay, I'm going to give 10% of that towards the work of the kingdom. I'm going to save 10% of that. And then I'm going to look at the remaining 80% that I get to live on and I'm going to pass out. Because that's what we mostly do when we look at all that because we just go, there's no way I can survive. There's no way I can keep up with what I have been doing on 80%. Because the reality is we flip that thing around. Instead of give, save, live off the rest, we start with live. And we say, I want to buy this and I want to experience this and I want to keep up with this, etc. And then hopefully I'll have some to save. I'll have some where I can put some aside because there's wisdom in doing that. And if there's some left over or if my heart strings get pulled enough, then I'll give towards something. We flip this thing around. But the wisdom is to start off, give, save, live off the rest. Hebrews 12, 11. Few of us enjoy the discipline of, of even considering something like that. But all of us would enjoy the benefits of financial freedom, of, of not having to worry about living paycheck to paycheck, but setting money aside in, in preparation for the future and then saying, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to make different decisions. I'm going to live off the rest. There's tremendous benefit from living that way, tremendous wisdom from that. And maybe 10, 10, 80 is not where you are, but there's something incredibly beneficial about systematic, intentional percentage activity. Maybe it's not 10%. Maybe you start off with 1%. Maybe it's, maybe it's 1, 1, and 98 to get started. Or maybe it's 3% or 5% to kind of get something started. There's so much value to, to giving this a shot. 10, 10, 80. Give, save, live off the rest. As I, as I close here this morning, I just want to say one, one more thing, and, and that is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you would put yourself in that category, okay, so right now, just yes or no, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is what we do. This is not some kind of freaky religious fanaticism. Blah, blah, blah. This is not just for the weirdos and the freaks. This isn't, this isn't pastor manipulation, twisting, trying to pull something out of Scripture that is really not there. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is what we do. This is what we do. If you are a dental hygienist, you are going to floss, okay? If, you, if you're a dental hygienist, I've never had a dental hygienist hovering over me with just these, oh, sure, I can help you out, and just these ugly kind of plaque dripping teeth 
on top of you. Every dental hygienist I've ever met has great teeth. They're flossers. They, 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 they're not going to say, I hate flossing, and then they only floss the two weeks before a checkup like the rest of us. They're not going to do that. If you're a dental hygienist, you're going to floss. This is what you do. If you're a physical trainer at a gym, you're going to work out. This is what you do. You can't just walk around telling people what kind of workouts they need to do, and you're totally overweight, and you get to the meeting at 7 o'clock for a new, a new client, and you got a Snickers bar in one hand and a big gulp in the other hand. All right, here's the plan for today. You're not going to do that. If you're a physical trainer, you're going to work out. This is what you do. If you're a follower of Jesus, if this whole thing really is who you are, you are a follower of the one who died so that we can have a restored relationship with God. This is what we do. I know it's an emotional, awkward, angst topic for, for many. I, I totally get that. And I'm sorry for that, really. I, but please don't dismiss this topic. Please don't just set this aside and say, I got through those 25 minutes. This is an important part of your role in the kingdom. Would you be open to this afternoon, maybe having a conversation with your spouse? Maybe you're the one who's the most resistant to this. Maybe you could be the one to bring it up and say, okay, let's talk about this. Would you be open to God doing something amazing in this part of your life? Not just for your heart, but for the kingdom? Would you bow your heads? I'd love to pray with you, and we'll, then we'll finish up. God, I pray for, uh, for those here in the room who have tasted and seen the goodness of generosity that you have outlined. I pray, I'm, I'm thankful for those here in the room that for this whole message, there's just a smile in their hearts because they've already seen the beauty and the glory of living generously. And I pray for those here in this room who, who are pursuing you, who, want to, who truly want to find out what it means to, to have an intimate relationship with you, God, but that this is an area that they have not quite been able to trust you with. God, I pray for any here in this room who are close who, who are close and just need a nudge by your Holy Spirit to say, trust me, trust me. I pray that we would have the courage to give this a shot, to trust you and see how you are gonna work even in this part of our lives. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.